HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit michters.com to find out how their taste is everything, cost be damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And we are back from a short vacation. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. Uh, when I am not here hosting In the Drink, you can find me at one of our restaurants, uh, Delanima, Lartuzzi, La Picho, or Anfora, or probably for the next month or so, Altalinia, which is a little pop-up that we do in the Highline Hotel for the summer. Um, I very much missed uh, everyone here at the Heritage Radio Network family for, uh, for the month we took off. Uh, it's great to see you guys, Jack and Jory. Welcome, uh, welcome back. Thanks for everything. Um, and uh, we have a great show for you today. Uh, but before, uh, before we get started, um, I do just want to uh, bring a little bit of light to the uh, situation going on in, uh, in California right now. Uh, as everyone probably knows, there's been uh, many months of, uh, of drought, uh, which has really sparked some uh, pretty terrible wildfires. Um, I've, I've been speaking with some uh, winemakers out there uh, who have really uh, really seen some hardships due to this. Um, first, there's going to be a, a significant amount of smoke damage um, from the fires, and then uh, it even looks like there are some vineyard sites that uh, that are going to be severely affected and, uh, and might have to uh, replant next year. So we'll keep you updated as to what's going on, but our, our thoughts uh, go out to everyone in California. Um, hopefully you guys get some, uh, some rain and uh, some relief soon. Uh, all right. So that being said, we do have a great show today. I am really excited uh, to have Jose Valdez on our first show back from vacation. Jose is the maestro tequilero or the master distiller for Tequila Partida. Uh, we have had Tequila Partida at all of our restaurants since we've opened. I am a big fan. I love the whole line. I have to say I am particularly a fan of the Reposado. Uh, it's what I, uh, I, I have that at home and drink that frequently. Um, he is a a young buck. He's been there since the uh, since the beginning of Tequila Partida and has worked his 
way up, um, and he's now the, the master dis- the master distiller. Welcome to In the Drink. Thank you, John, for the invitation, and thank you for hosting me today. Yes. Did you say on the we, – we actually ended up sharing a subway over here. You said this is actually your first interview ever? I can't believe that, or your yeah. first radio interview. It's uh, my first interview radio uh, in, in ever, and, and not even in TV in, in any any. I have only interviewing, uh, not a live interview. Wow. Well, I can't believe that considering the, uh, the quality of the tequila that, that you produced. Uh, and, uh, and I guess in the nature tonight is the, uh, the Republican uh, National Committee debate uh, for, the, for the presidential nomination. So I will not ask you any gotcha questions. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, no, no tough questions uh, at all. Um, but if you could just give us a quick, uh, the, the quick summary of Tequila Partido. It's a newer tequila brand. It's only been around for six or seven years, right? Uh, how did it come to be and how did you get involved personally? Well, uh, this is a, a brand that has been in the market uh, since 2005. We launched it in, here in New York. And the conception or the idea of Partida was to uh, do a fine tequila uh, and very easy to drink, but we're at the same time with personality. So when we, uh, uh, I personally get involved uh, back in 2004 when I met uh, Gary Shansby, which is the founder and CEO of the brand. He he went to Guadalajara, where I where I live. And he came to a law firm where my brother used to work, and he introduced me with the with Gary, and he explained me the the idea he had to to create a, a new uh, brand of tequila, uh, but with high quality, and uh, want some people, Mexican people, involved in this project. So he invited me to to be part of the of the team, and uh, at the beginning I was working in many uh, aspects of the brand not only in, in production but also in logistics and uh, the packaging the the legal uh, but uh, suddenly we we realized that it was very important to get into the our real uh, agave uh, quality and the production process so and at that time were you working in the spirits industry or this was just, no no it, it was uh, I'm, a, I'm an industrial engineer uh, I used to work in the in the electronics uh, manufacturing, uh, Guadalajara is like a Silicon Valley in, in Mexico. So many electronics companies such as HP, IBM, Apple, uh, Intel, all those electronic brands, they, they manufacture in, in they have facilities uh, and, and they create great jobs for, for the people in, in, in our town. And I, I was in, involved in that industry before. So for me, it was a great opportunity to change my lifestyle and to be more passionate about a Mexican product and, uh, and an approach that I can actually taste and, and, and be part of the, of, the, of the whole decision of the name, the conception, of the design and the coloring. So, so you, you don't look old enough yeah. to... Uh, uh, 11 years ago have been working in this other industry. Uh, can I ask how old are you? Yes, I'm 34. You're 34? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I am going to start drinking more tequila. 
because you look uh, at least uh, ten years younger than that. That is that is crazy. Um, so how has the the brand evolved? Uh, this guy came and you were. It sounded you're like great. Let's let's do this. Uh, or did you believe in it right from the beginning? And what has been the the growth? Because now it's a, a really major tequila brand. Yeah, it is a major tequila brand because many factor. It, it was. Uh the the great reputation you gain with the with the liquid with the good liquid so at the beginning and and the main philosophy of this brand is to do things uh, with high quality and integrity and in take, taking care of every single uh, detail of of the of the of everything and so what we did uh, 10 years ago was to find our, the right distillery and the right region and there are two big regions in, in Tequila, and we decided to do it in the original region, which is the Tequila Valley. The other region is uh, Los Altos or Highlands, and it's more it's newer. That's on that's on that area. So we decided to do it in Amatitan, and then uh, five years ago we moved to Tequila Town, and we had uh, to get in, into the knowledge of the tequila uh, because. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a national brand. It's a national uh, beverage, so we need uh, at that moment to understand uh, everything around that. So we got some advisors, uh, people who used to be in the in any distillery or in the fields for more than 30, 40 years. Uh, uh, Ten years ago, it was very close, uh, very jealous. The, the the maestros tequileros and the the farmers of the agave they did. It was more like a traditional uh, way to teach uh, or to pass the knowledge about that. Now, because of the globalization, and uh, I will say that they understand that we need to grow more the industry and be working more as a team. I think the CRT, which is a council of the tequila uh, regulation, has uh, it has been uh, great for the industry to educate and to have the uh, uh, available the, no- the knowledge for everybody to want to learn more about tequila and to get involved into the production, into the, into the agave cultivation and harvesting. Yeah, so tequila is now very big business. Uh, the tequila as a, as a region is uh, internationally famous. Uh, is that, does that trickle down to the people who work in the tequila region as well? Has it been a big economic boon for, for everyone? Uh, at the beginning, it was only from the industrial and the, uh, the people who actually uh, sell the tequila, the, the part of the, of the retail. It was the, the one that made more money in the exportation. The, the but now, uh, since uh, five years ago, the, the farmers union, union start uh, working very close with the producer, with the industrial guys to, to get in a very fair price for the kilo of agave and it has been increased the 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 price i would say in a in a in a good way in a in a fair play uh, fair way and now uh, i think it's doing great business uh, the farmers and the industrial and as well as uh, the big corporation that has bought the the brands Mm -hmm. and how rare is it for the uh the industrial or the producers to actually be Farming themselves or to own their uh, their tequila their uh, agave sites is that completely unheard of or do, are, are, how how do you do it for instance? 
Uh, I will say not, not all the producer they have the the, the land because it's a raw material. It's the only spirit in the world. That all the not only tequila but all the the spirit beverage that uh, takes so long the the raw material. It takes seven to ten years. Uh, so the hardest part is to to have a, a lot of land uh, to supply all the demand because he's a he has the population of origin. That means you cannot produce outside of the of the of the of the territory which is Jalisco, completely state of Jalisco, and a few municipalities of other four states. So uh, you you cannot uh, you have to have a lot of land, and even the biggest brand of tequila they don't have they they, they don't they cannot supply their with their own agave. They need to mm-hmm. uh, find other sources of agave either with brokers or with the small producers. Uh, and that's the way we do in Partida. We, it's, I would say it's a completely other business uh, to grow uh, and cultivate agave. And we are focused more in the production process. And we, ask that we have a great relationship with, with agaveros, with farmers and brokers to find the, the they know the, they know our policies of quality. We, we are looking for the best agave in terms of age, sugar, uh, the weight they harvest, uh, the weight, the the size, and the freshness. So, and, and I know this is a, a step removed from you, but do you also take into account any sustainability of the of the agave? I'm sure there are some farmers who do things in a more sustainable way than others. Yeah, uh, from our part, which is the production, we take care of the bagasso, which is the fiber that we uh, when you squeeze the the sugar in the agave mm-hmm. so that fiber needs to get back to the to the fields and we create compost with uh, with that and with the binasa which is the uh, residual that we obtain in the distillation so you have to treat those those uh, waste and put it back into the into the land that that I would say is the the way we do it and also to uh, treat the water so we can reuse some of the water for the services so we the consumption of water normally is 20 liters of water per liter of tequila in producing so it's a lot of water even though we have a well we try and and we have it running a a program to reduce the the consumption of water to reuse it that's great yeah i'm sure there's like industrial uses that you can use the water for after and you're not just getting rid of it you're like cooling and and all that yeah many in the industry many are using the rain water they are collecting mm-hmm. the rain water uh guadalajara and the region of tequila it's uh, i would say it's three months of raining heavy raining so it's a, it's a great opportunity it's, a, it's an area that we have to develop more to collect more water in the raining and use it for for everything, for, for the services, for, for the distillery. That's great. That's great. And then can you talk a little bit about how tequila factors in to modern-day Mexican culture? Who is who's drinking tequila? Is it only very wealthy people who can enjoy the fine tequila products like Partida Añejo, or is it, uh, is it really pervasive uh, throughout Mexican culture? How does it fit in? Well, if you are in Guadalajara, you are lucky because you have uh, too many options to, of tequila because it's the, it's the capital of the tequila. But if you are in other zone of Mexico, the distribution is only with the big brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the big brands, they do have uh, value tequilas and premium tequilas. But I, would, I, would, I call my, uh, we are in the category of craft or artisanal tequila. 
that it's only available in the region of, of, of Guadalajara or you, in Europe or in U.S., uh, in other markets. In other and how would you define a craft tequila? Well, I have read uh, a few articles, and it's about the size of sales. And I, I believe it's uh, hundred thousand ca- less than hundred thousand cases okay. uh, per year. So truly, only about the size of the sales. There's no no product, no processes that I will, go into making something craft versus not craft. I will add that it's also the the philosophy of using you know sustainability and to use fresh uh, to pay fair uh, prices for the agaveros and to. Uh, think in the in the employees at the at the distillery and and to do uh, the traditional method, combine the traditional and new method, which is the key factor that Partida found that uh, uh, it, it is uh, the best way to produce tequila, combining the antique and the, the new methods. All right. On that note, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to taste through a few, well, not we, uh, just uh, me and Jose here are going to taste through a couple of the uh, uh, tequila partida uh, tequila, so uh, we'll see you in a bit. Michter's Distillery is a proud sponsor of In the Drink and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. At Michter's, our passion is making the finest whiskeys possible. When you only make small batch and single barrel whiskeys like Michter's does, your whiskey has to be perfect. No detail is too small, from careful attention to the wood used in the construction of our barrels to lower barrel entry proof before heat-cycled aging in advance of exacting chill filtration. And no whiskey gets bottled until Michter's Master Distiller says it's just right. Michter's Cost Be Damn Taste Is Everything Attitude is apparent in every sip of its smooth, rich whiskeys. Is it worth it? A lot of spirits lovers seem to think so. Food & Wine magazine called Michter's the best American whiskey. Bon Appetit said it's amazing. And the Wall Street Journal had one special word for Michter's. Phenomenal. For more information, visit michters.com or simply visit your favorite bartender or retailer and ask for Michter's. Here's what Heritage Radio Network would sound like without donations. It's not as good as the show you were just listening to, is it? Give us a few bucks. Help keep us running. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Click the Donate tab on the top right corner. All right. We are back with Jose Valdez, Maestro Tequilero. Did I butcher that? Yeah. Many people say Master Distiller, but uh, Maestro Tequilero covers, let's say, the whole change of production. Yes, I got it right. Uh, a tequila partida, as I said before, one of, one of my favorites. Uh, we, t- we tend to have that at our, our restaurants. Um, help me, Jose, to understand why it is one of my favorites. I think of all, of all the spirits out there, maybe tequila is one I have the least firsthand knowledge with. I've never actually been to Mexico. Um, we've established that it is a craft tequila, so it is smaller in production, and you have some sustainability, which I, which I love uh, to hear. But other than that, like what in the, the production method and the processes makes it so delicious? Yeah, I think it's 
mainly two things. The first thing is the raw materials. The, so it's only agave and water. And the agave, like I mentioned before, is, it must be the best agave in the region. And it must be in the same region because many uh, other producers get agave from other sources, different areas. So it's a combination of uh, different plants. And in our case, we only buy agave from the Tequila Valley, which is located in Tequila and Amatitan in that region. So you have great agave, you have water from your own well. And then is there? do you add yeast to it, or is it an ambient yeast? So we we don't add any yeast. The yeast is natural. It's a natural that comes from the agave or from the environment. And the only thing what we do in the fermentation, is to, which is an open fermentation, it's uh, is just to control the time uh, with uh, natural nutrients. So mm-hmm. we add some uh, source of nitrogen so the yeast can reproduce uh, in a natural way, but controlling the temperature and the time. So instead of, because if you leave a uh, most of, of uh, for uh, fermented in a natural way, it, it's going to take five to seven days, and sometimes you cannot control the flavors. And, and, and So we only control the, the, the temperature and timing, and, and it takes three days. But it's, uh, I would say Partida is one of the few tequila brands in, in, in the world that only use natural uh, things during the production process. And at the end, we don't add any coloring, any artificial color. Uh, so, uh, And that's permitted in tequila? For yeah, it is allowed type. by the oh. Mexican law to add uh, uh, less than 1% of, uh, of coloring. We call avocantes, which is uh, any, any essence of agave, vanilla, uh, caramel. caramel, And the reason <clears throat> behind that is uh, because many distilleries, they need to meet the, the international demand. So they bought uh, bulk tequila from a small producer. They put it all together, they blend it, mm-hmm. and then they put their formula, which is some essence of uh, vanilla, cinnamon, whatever. Oh, even flavors. Yeah. You can flavors. Yeah, yeah, you can put flavors. And you don't have to write on it that flavors have been added. No. No, it's your, it's your recipe. So our, our recipe is everything natural. I, you know, I love to hear that. I, I find that my favorite wines tend to also be made with an ambient yeast. Um, I obviously think about it from the, the wine world, but I feel like that gives you the most distinctive product, the most the, the product that is more complex. Um, it's certainly much more difficult to do because you can't see or measure or analyze what type of your, your yeast the ambient is because it's it's all around. But uh, that I find that at the end, the, the products tend to be the most delicious and unique. And uh, maybe that is one of the big factors uh, mm-hmm. for Partita, why I like it so much. Yeah, they, talking about the yeast, there are some, I would say, two groups of yeast. One is very uh, efficient in terms of production of alcohol. And many, that's the problem in many tequila brands. They only focus on, on be efficient and be financial, more efficient, more uh, make more money with less uh, uh, investment. And in Partida, obviously, we care about the business, but we care about more of the quality. So we combine the yeast that create flavors and also is efficient at the same time. Cool. Uh, so I know it's only 1022, but I would love to try some of these tequilas that you've uh, brought to share. Um, starting... I imagine we start with the Blanco. Yes, uh, the Blanco is the base of the rest, so we can start with the Blanco. And according to the Mexican law, the Blanco uh, can 
Well, it, it's it can be age uh, less than less than two months. After two months, it's uh, it's called reposado. But most of the brand we don't age at all. So you can. That's why they call silver, and it's completely white. But you may find some blancos that they have uh, some aging. They would age it and then charcoal filter or filter out the coloring. Uh, no, uh, I mean. You can age the Blanco in for less than two months, okay. and you can call it Blanco. Okay. Uh, and now I know that uh, a lot of tequila purists and enthusiasts prefer Blanco. They think that has the most distinctive notes of, whether it's the valley or the higher altitude, the notes of the agave itself. Um, I love your Blanco. It's very complex, very creamy. Mm-hmm. Well, since we are taking agave from the region of uh, tequila and valley, it's uh, it's more uh, earthy and more uh, dry, that area. So you can get all the minerals of the volcano of tequila as well. And But we want to create a balanced blanco with the expression of agave and with the uh, fruit, uh, not, not completely fruit, but uh, citrics such as grapefruit, lime, mm-hmm. but at the end, the the best tequila is the one that you enjoy and you can find, you can discover, you can sip it and discover different flavor every sip, and doesn't burn. And if we were to get geeky about it, though, and you you started to touch on it, how do you analyze the flavors that are coming from the agave and the flavors that are coming from the land? Uh, that is a tough question. I will say that uh, you need to uh, be in tequila to understand, to be harvesting and to taste actually the, the agave fresh so you can tell this is the flavor of this agave and then go through the production process and taste actually every the agave cook and then the mosto. And so you can uh, associate those flavors with the, with the tequila. It's, it, it's almost impossible if, uh, if a person never been in, in the tequila that uh, relies uh, this tequila is from highlands or lowlands. Okay. It's, it's, all, it's very hard to say. Very hard. I mean, but this is so delicious. It's this creaminess to yeah. that, I think, is very pleasant on the, on the palate, but uh, adds another level of complexity to it. It's really nice. Thank you. Uh, what now? There's a, a legend. I don't know if it's a legend here, but to, I've been hearing recently that people feel that agave-based spirits are somehow less bad for you. That are they're more, they're more healthy than grain-based spirits. Um, do you do you have any research to back that up? Make me feel better about my t- my margarita drinking habits. So. Uh, I I don't. <laughs> I, I I personally believe that. Since the agave has been seven to ten years, all that energy, all that uh, sun, uh, all the weather, all, all the soil that it's from the volcano, uh, you can feel that energy in, in, in this drink. Uh, I believe so that the inulin, which is a type of sugar that it's in the agave, is very good for the for your for the human consumption. It's very it's, it's healthier, and the nectar uh, that is created with that sugar the, the the inulin, we call the agave nectar or agave syrup, is very healthy. Actually, people with diabetes can drink it. It's sweeter, but it has lower calories and and it's better. So I I, I believe so that it, it's healthier to drink yeah, tequila. Totally. I mean, you go to a, a high end coffee shop today in New York City, and it's always agave is one one of the options. Uh, but let's move on to uh, the reposado, which I have to admit is. Usually my my favorite. I love this uh, this tequila. Yeah, the reposado, uh, like I mentioned, 
it must be at least two months of aging, but we age six months. Mm-hmm. So one of the distinction of fertilis is we go above the minimum of aging time. Instead of two months, six months. Instead of a year in Añejo, a year and a half. And the reposado, what we're looking the, is to reduce the aggressivity of the blanco, because the blanco sometimes it can be uh, very aggressive and very alcoholic. So the, the wood, the, the, the white oak, the American white oak, with the, we, we purchased the, the barrel from Jack Daniels. And the, the big difference with other distillers is that we received those barrels within 10 uh, days after those barrels are empty. So we fill them right away when we receive it, and we capture all those flavor of the, of the Jack Daniels. And we only use three years more, and then we sell, sell them. Okay. So, I, so that, that's why it is so uh, integrated and balanced, because it's already been used. First of all, you're not using, like, new oak. Um, and then it's also, I imagine, since it's, it's probably a little damp still when you got it, there's still some in the, in the wood. Um, so the absorption of the tequila isn't as immediate into the wood because the wood already has some dampness to it. Exactly. It, we have tried before with new barrels, and the problem is that the wood is, is very aggressive and the flavor is so intensive that you cannot tell it's a tequila sometimes. It's, it's, you, can, you can say any other spirit, but not yeah. tequila. The agave is missing. Yeah, I love this, how the, the wood notes are very, very subtle. It, to me, it, it brings out just more complexity, more spice, citrus peel and citrus oil notes that uh, really complex and not woody at all. And I like that about this quite a bit. Yeah, like I said, it, it's, it's all about balance. And it's, it's, uh, we, we try to balance the vanilla and the uh, honey, the, the, all the sweet flavor, but at the same time that you can taste the agave. All right, and we're moving on to the Añejo um, in a kind of fuchsia-colored bottle here. Is there any any significance to the to the colors, the the blue of the blanco and the green of the reposado? And well, talking about the packaging, we we create this bottle we call sexy bottle because it has the curves, and we were thinking in in, in the women because the women uh, the consumption of tequila is is higher in women because of the margarita. Is that true? I had no yeah. idea. And the color is because hmm. of the Mexican color, very bright, very uh, traditional. We want to share all that tradition uh, and put the name of, of Mexico high, uh, that we can do high-end uh, products and, our col- and share our culture with, uh, with all the world. Yeah. And talk to us about, so how long has the Añejo been aged? Uh, it's a, 18 months, a year and a half. Uh, the, the range it's uh, uh, that the Mexican law allows you is one year to three years. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting how the agave reacts to wood so so much of a different way than grain does. If you were to have a whiskey in the United States that is uh, one year or 18 months old, it still seems so raw to me. Many of the, the young whiskeys that I've been trying seem like raw and unfinished, and they really need so much more aging. Um, but the agave, uh, in even in the six months, makes such a huge difference, and certainly uh, in your 18 months. Uh, does that have to do something with the agave itself, or is it the conditions in which you're aging? Is it much warmer than maybe they might be aging in Kentucky or in New York? 
Uh, tell us about why, how come that that happens. I, I think both, but the second one I think is, uh, is the most important. The, the we are located the, in you know in, in the in the tequila town, and the temperature is higher than in the north. So uh, one time we receive a, a whiskey maestro, uh, master distiller of, of, of Scotland, uh, and. And he told us about that difference. In Scotland, it's very cold, so six months of aging in tequila, it could be maybe three years in, in Scotland. So that I would say it's, it's the agave spirit, but, but more important, the, the weather. The weather. It's the weather condition. So your aging room is not temperature controlled. It's no, no. I mean, it's, it's quiet, it's cold, it's, it's dark, but we don't put the air condition or humidity control, anything. Nothing. Nothing. So it's a real. I mean, this is a, a, an authentic product of uh, of tequila, and uh, I, I absolutely love uh, love that about Partida. Yes, thank you. We we our commitment is to do the things right with the agave, the best agave, and to keep the consistency. Because many brands uh, start very good at the beginning, and then when they increase their sales, uh, they cannot control the, and keeping the, that quality level. Wow. Uh, Jose Valdez, thank you so much. It's been such an honor to have you uh, on In the Drink. Uh, I meant to say at the top of the show also, if uh, if you'd like to uh, listen to previous episodes of In the Drink, um, you can always find them on iTunes, uh, on the Heritage Radio Network website, um, and uh, hope uh, hopefully you can also sign up uh, for our list on iTunes and you can always get the newest episodes. Um, also just wanted to send a big thanks. Uh, I miss you guys to, uh, our producer, Jory Morales and engineer Jack Inslee. You guys are the best. Thank you for putting the show together every week. And today's break music was provided by Mamarazzi, uh, and the theme song every week, uh, my good friend, Renny Lopez. And thanks once more to, uh, to Michter's, the sponsor of the show. Uh, we love your, your bourbons and your whiskeys. And, and also, of course, thank you guys. Thank you, listener, for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you heard, please, as I said before, tell your friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes and always get in touch with us at Radio Network at heritageradionetwork.org. Uh, next up, a short clip of The Farm Report. Thanks, guys. So prior to um, the founding of your farm, which is in Australia's Kimberley region, Chia was mostly founded in South America. Where, like, Did it geographically locate in specific types of climate, or does it do well in a variety of climates? Ever wonder where Chia seeds are grown? John Foss explains on episode 236 of The Farm Report. It's a photosensitive crop that needs to be grown around 15 degrees north or south of the equator because the day length post-flowering of the seed is what affects the omega-3 content in the oil. So it can only be grown in quite a, a tight latitude globally, and that latitude is where our farms are in northern Australia, where I um, started the cheer industry and, and then brought in a number of other farmers that were at the time growing sugar and sugar cane and looking to change from a commodity crop and be part of a crop that was going to make a positive difference to health and wellness. So they were very eager to follow with me and join and grow chia. Uh, and now around the world there's still some chia grown in Mexico and parts of Central and South America and then Australia where we have our, our chia farms. To learn much, much more about how chia seeds grow, tune into the rest of the episode and find all episodes of The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network and iTunes.
Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.